0: Hey, this is
1: Johnny Mack. Welcome to the Extended Chill Podcast. Uh, Pleasure to have Chad McDonald here today. Chad, what's going on?
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Just another Friday.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Uh, uh, Excited. uh, Founded uh, True Advising Group uh, back in 2018. Uh, I'm so happy to have you on because of your history and your, your journey in hockey. I mean, at the end of the day here at Extended Chill, we kind of want to enlighten young parents that might be getting a little bit too crazy uh, at a young age with their kids. Um, bring guys like you on that, you know, have, 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 have played youth sports, youth hockey. Uh, you've played uh, at, at the Division I level over at Ferris State. You've played in the NAHL, the USHL. You've played professional hockey overseas. Um, and I think kind of uh, your journey and talking about your journey and where you are now in terms of uh, founding the, uh, the True Advising Group and, and advising young parents uh, within hockey on, uh, on their kids' hockey journeys, I, I think that it's just a, a, a good chat. And I think uh, our young parents will learn a lot. So if you could just, I mean, riff, because I want you to go back to like when you were growing up mm-hmm. playing hockey kind of your parents' approach to you playing and then you reaching such a high level and uh, and where you are now.
0: No, absolutely. So <clears throat> kind of weird to say that uh, growing up in Michigan, I grew up in a non-hockey family, but it's the truth. I mean, I grew up on the west side of Michigan and um, Battle Creek, Michigan is where I uh, you know, was born and raised and um, started playing hockey, I want to say, when I was about three years old. Uh, just wanted my you know, I guess wanted to try out skating and stuff and the rest is kind of history. Um, you know, I think the best thing I did uh, looking back was staying out of Detroit um, because even, you know, now with the advising stuff, like, you know, Detroit is a very hotbed, big hotbed, so to speak, for for hockey players. But um, there's a lot of things that happen down there and there's a lot of hurdles and obstacles and politics that work their way down there. And I was kind of um, – my eyes were i was i kind of saw that a little bit when i was younger because i started playing down there when i was 12 around there and i played a couple of years and then ended up not liking triple a hockey even after um and so went to lansing and kind of from my eighth grade year until my senior year of high school played in lansing for what was the capital center pride which no longer exists but played for the same coach played with pretty much the same players for about four or five years and I really credit a lot of that um, you know I credit that to why I made it so far was because I was around the same people yes we were competing but we were brothers but we got the same sort of development every year it wasn't like oh you got to go play for this coach um, and restart you're not going to play for the best team in Detroit and you know hoping that you play I mean we just stayed together and the coach that we had um, would just pick up right where we left off. We knew what a 2-3 was. We knew different systems. We knew how to play different teams. And because of that, we won. And, I mean, I never really played AAA again after my time down in Detroit when I was 12, 13 until I was in my junior year of high school. That's, that's amazing,
1: amazing because, you know, I think, I think that's a credit to your parents as mm-hmm. well. I mean, I think, you know, from what I've seen and my perspective is a lot of the parents – you know, they got caught up in their ego, uh, and they think it's their journey as opposed to letting, letting their kids make decisions and, and letting them, uh, even deal with adversity on their own. So I think that's, I think that's incredible that that was your, your journey there, because I think people are in a rush to, I mean, how many during that time with the, with, with, with that team, how many, how many of your, uh, Buddies actually jumped, like because their parents are like, "Oh, you're too good for this team, or you can jump here, or you can play here." Like, try, oh, the grass is greener, kind of thing.
0: I <clears throat> I kind of compare us a lot to the Red Wings in the early two thousands, late nineties, where you had that core group of kids, and then we had others that would come in. You know, I look at it, and I I'm not kidding when I say we, not very, like maybe one or two. That's um, great. That's great. Again, it was a different world um we were kind of i don't want to call it an island cuz Lansing really isn't that far from the Detroit area but we we just had a really good group of players and families and i think if one of the parents would have kind of gone on their own and said hey you're going down to play in Detroit let's go i don't think the kid would have let it happen um you know it, it's changed quite a bit and you bring up one point my parents yes my parents they obviously I think the best thing they gave me was like, Chad, you're a good player, but like, you're not that good. You know, don't go all in on this thing. And, you know, it helped me because in the background, I didn't have the people that were saying, oh, you're so much better than these people or, oh, you deserve this. You deserve that. It was just kind of like, you know, this is Chad's hobby and let's see where it takes him. But we're not, you know. We're not trying to live off of his coattails and uh, you know ride his career. We've already done pretty well in our life, and because my parents were successful people and you know lived the life that they wanted to live, I didn't feel like I was forced to make it or try to get some place where they could make it too. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, I you know I think I think that kind of an approach lets the young athlete exhale, you know, easy, and and actually enjoy the game. And I think you know when you, when your state of mind is at ease you're, you're, you're more coachable. And, you know, and, and I think from, from a athlete standpoint, you were an athlete. And when your parents say, Hey, you know, you're not too good. As great as that is. And as as great as that honesty is, I think as an athlete, like I remember my daughter, um, we live in Long Island and um, last minute she went to go up, There was a coach up at uh, Hobart Williams Smith, uh, which is a D3 program. The coach had come from Yale. Um, my daughter was, uh, you know, good with the academics. So, coach had heard about my daughter, and my daughter wasn't even gonna play in school, and uh, saw her grades and said, "Listen, I want to meet her. I want to talk to your daughter." So, in a matter of two weeks, you know, she was playing for this coach uh, that that coached up at Yale, and I, I remember having the conversation with my daughter. I was like, "And she was good, you know. She was a good lacrosse player, but she wasn't the best in Long Island." and I remember having that conversation. I said, listen, Peyton, you're five and a half hours away from home. As a freshman, I'm not driving five and a half hours to see you stand on the sidelines. I just, let's be clear about that, right? So we had a, we had a little laugh, but um, unfortunately, she's got, she's she's my wife's daughter. My wife was ninth in the country in CrossFit. And when she came to me to tell me she was going to try to make the CrossFit games, I told her, I said, you know, that's the 20 best in the world, you know? (laughs) And then she gave me the same look that Peyton gave me and they both proved me wrong. But I think, so freshman year, she started her first game. So I was driving up that that's the kind of the point, you know, like you take that as parents. And if you're honest with your, with your kids, I think it, it both drives them and it allows them to exhale.
0: And I will say that, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a parent. I haven't had children will one day, and I, I totally understand that there's a lot of parents out there that really want their kid to succeed and will do whatever they can to help them succeed. And unfortunately, in the hockey world, the world that I live in, a lot of things don't make sense. They don't. OK, you know, you'll look at the USHL draft and you'll see some kids get drafted and you're like, well, I mean, come on, like, what, what is that? Right. Right you know but the thing that i challenge parents to do is yes it's frustrating yes you know it's it's not fair at times but what in life is i mean i live in the legal world now i'm an attorney there's a lot of things that aren't fair in that world too and while i i i don't get what it's like to be a parent and really going to the extreme of wanting to help your kids succeed which i do think there's some parents out there that do that They need to understand that they can't control what they can't control. And that's where you kind of get a fork in the road, so to speak, where the parents that can't control things and they really struggle with not being able to control things, they fall off the deep end and it's everybody else's fault and this isn't fair and we got to change the system and this and that. Whereas the other ones, they kind of are just like, yep, can't control it. Nothing we can do. Just got to be mentally tough. We're not going to feed information to our kid and make it so they think that they're getting screwed over too. It's just, you know, being mature about the situation. And unfortunately, in my business that I have found, there are just some parents that just they can't, they they want it for their kids, which I can't, you know, I can't disagree with. I get that. But you can't want it so much that you're going nuts over it. There's people that, man, they, this is all they think about. And it's like, do you not have a life other than this? Well, I,
1: I, I, I disagree with you there in, in the one statement that they wanted for their kids, you know, uh, they want it for themselves. I mean, it has nothing to do with the kids at that point. And I, it's interesting, like your business, I'm, I'm fascinated by the growth uh, in the last, say, seven years or so. Um, you go into a rink and you meet meet folks. And I guess the the, the upside is the guys that are doing it right, like you, like what you just said, like if I was in, in the market for an advisor for my kid, I would hire you just based on what you said, the honesty, because there's I think there's too many people out there that we just going to tell parents what they want to hear, um, even though after meeting and seeing the kid play, they're like, all right, he's a good player. But, you know, your expectations may be maybe a little too high here. Not not that there's anything wrong with shooting high. But I think um, in your business, there's a lot of a lot of people out there that aren't honest with their clients. And I think that's where the upside is with you guys. Listen, you have the experience. Your team has the experience. You know, you're going into women's hockey now in terms of advising, which is a huge sport uh, in terms of your staffing. So it's like I'm I I never dealt with an advisor. Um, Luckily, I had great relationships because I think your business is about relationships. There's so many good hockey players out there. So to have someone like, you know, through advising group with with the amount of relationships you have, not only domestically, but internationally is great. Uh, But I can see a parent who has no idea, never played the game, happens that their, their, their child is a good player and is, is, is at 15, 16 is actually has an opportunity to play at the next level. They need somebody like you guys.
0: Yeah, no, they do. And you know, everybody goes, do you need an advisor? Don't you? I mean, it's a million dollar question. Um, Hard to kind of explain. I mean, But when it comes to the honesty point that you make, I feel like honesty is the best policy. I'd rather, you know, under-promise and over-deliver versus over-promise and under-deliver. And not to mention, I mean, I, I genuinely feel you don't realize it when you're playing. But at some point, my career was tapped out. I just didn't know it. Okay, and I genuinely feel that I'm doing what I was kind of born to do now with helping the next generation of kids and trying to help these parents give them all the answers and experience that I have to not only develop them and, you know, make them better people, but to also navigate the crazy hockey world. Um, but I mean, my experience, for example, there was nine NHL draft picks. I played with my last year in the, in the USHL. Okay. NHL draft picks and not one of them played a game or signed a contract. And so I struggle sometimes when you talk to families and kids that are 15 and yeah, do I think it's unfair that these kids are being judged and getting drafted at this age in the USHL? Absolutely. I think it's crazy. Um, But I always try to use my experience. Like, Hey, I played in the USHL for two years. I was never drafted. There's nine NHL draft picks that I played with in Muskegon my last season in the USHL and not one of them played a game. And you guys are worried about getting drafted in the USHL 20th round. Like, You know, you just you can't worry about that stuff. I mean, I try to give and the approach that I have with my kids is I try to find kids that are no doubt talented. Okay, like let's just be clear. If you're if you're an advisor, you're looking for talented players, because if you don't have talent, you're not going to make it. But I always tell people that once I find the talent, I go through a background check, just kind of like scouts do. And I want to try to find good people because I don't necessarily bet on players as much as I bet on people because it's the person, it's the, the upbringing, it's the parents, it's the, what they're hearing in the background. And I played for a lot longer than a lot of people thought I would. And it wasn't because I was more talented than some of the others that didn't. It was because to be quite frank, I got kicked in the nuts a lot, but just kept going. Cause I loved the game. And I look for people that love the game and are passionate about it because I know that you can't burn the flame here, you know, put the flame out if it's burning constantly. And so kind of in a roundabout way, getting back to the honesty thing, like I I really, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I got to be honest with you because the last thing that you want is for me to sit here and tell you something that I can't, you know, come to fruition. Like I, I got kids that I think are, you know, US NTDP candidates, I hope, if you were to ask one of their parents, what does Chad tell you? He's not going to sit there and say, oh yeah, he's a for sure. There's no such thing as a for sure in this game. There isn't. I right. just explained it to you. Right. So my approach is to be honest because I want to be able to look at you at the end of the day and say, Hey, I, there's nothing that I said that you could misconstrue. I was completely honest with you. We tried to do our part and I've lived it. There's no such thing as a guarantee in this game.
1: Yeah. I think uh, character and particularly in hockey um, it really does mean something. And and like I said, as, as, as a parent, as I've been through the journey with my kids, um, you know, my one daughter's playing lacrosse, finishing up her last season, um, because of her academics, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. combined with her ability, but more, more for the academics. Um, And then my other son, he was always a good player. He was always a top-line guy. But his character is is at the top level. And, you know, when these kids were – I know you're going to chuckle at this, you know, signing on – announcing on Instagram that they signed with uh, whoever, a D1 school at 14 years old. Um, I remember calling uh, a buddy of mine, Dave Starman, who knows a lot more about hockey than I do. I'm like, dude, what should I be doing? What's going on? Like, wait, the kid's 14 mm-hmm. and he goes, "Ignore it, sit back." And he's he's known my son for, you know, since he was a mite. He's like, "Sit back, tell him to keep playing, keep smiling and keep, keep working hard. Mm-hmm. And if in 3 years he still loves hockey, then you can figure it out." And it was the best advice I ever got.
0: Mhm. No, and it is. And then, you know, back on your character standpoint, too, I, you know, I was texting with a Division three coach this week um, because I've got some, you know, older kids in junior hockey. The first group that I was really going after were the O2s because that's kind of when I got into it. And right. I got a couple of kids that I think are borderline Division one talents, but with the portal and the fifth year and everything, like, not going to bore you with that. It's It's a little bit harder. But this coach texted me and I said, OK, what do you look for in a player? And he's like well you know we need defense we need you know forwards when we look at forwards we look at their hockey iq their skating their speed their compete and um he said but the two non-negotiables are competing character right and it again with all the families that are watching this you you know you might be sitting there going chad you're you're full of shit. you know i see kids get committed all the time and they're not good people or maybe they're not good kids, they don't work hard, guess what? At the end of the day, it will phase itself out and it will catch up to them. It will. But if hockey could just focus on themselves versus everybody else around them, just focus on you, raise your kid to be a good person, raise him to work hard, and it'll all work out if it's supposed to, right? But you know, you bring up the character aspect. I mean, it's huge. I couldn't tell you, I don't... You know, when I go into these rinks, like I was in a rink last night, going to be in a rink tomorrow, tonight, and I go talk to a, a you know, USHL USHL scouter, a junior scouter, a college. First thing I do, or they, you know, the first thing they do is ask me about a player. They go, well, what kind of kid is he? Right. They're not going to sit there and go, yeah, what do you think of his shot? Right. Like, what do you think of his skating? Or what do you think of his, you know, back checking? Like, no, like they don't look at that You know, they don't ask me about that stuff as an advisor, because guess what? Whether they're good at it or not, they get paid to do that. okay? and so they're not going to sit there and go, Chad, do you think his inside edges are good enough to play in the USHL? Like, no, they don't say that. They want to know he's a good player. He passes our eye test. But is he worth us investing in and using a pick on because he's going to continue to climb and work hard and work hard and work hard?
1: Yeah, they don't want to waste their time. No, at the end of the day, they could have a talented kid, but guess what? There's so many talented kids out there. Huh. They would rather a less talented kid with a better work ethic, compete level, and integrity for sure. And and I I, I honestly believe that's in any line of work. To your point, it's not yep. just hockey. It's it's sports. And and I would even say, young parents out there, if your kid's a grinder and your kid is always have a smile, has a smile on his face and snot coming down his nose, um, you might be more fortunate than the kid that's scoring six or seven goals um, a game. Because I think at too young an age, parents get all jacked up in goals, right? Like, how many goals? How many goals? How many goals? That's what they're asking their kids. And um, and, and those kids never really learn how to play the game. Uh, the best thing, again, in retrospect, uh, back when my son was playing mites, they allowed you to play up in terms of age group. So he's a big kid. He started young. Like you, he was on the ice at three years old. Uh, my, uh, in-laws are out in Wisconsin. Um, so Hudson, Wisconsin. So when he was two, he went out there, they had a, a rink in the backyard and like, it was over Chad. It was, he was playing hockey regardless. And, uh, you know, so he's a bigger kid and he learned to skate at a young age. So he was playing above his age group at, at like two years above his age group when he was younger And then I guess at mites, they changed the rule right in the midst of it. And he had to go from playing squirt as a mite age back to playing mites. Right. And this is when they were playing full ice. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a whole different discussion. Mm -hmm. But um, so all the parents were like, you know, and he got a reputation because he was a bigger kid and he could play. So all the parents came over to me like, I can't believe it. They can't make him play. Mites. another. he's a. I'm like, it is what it is. Like we we were very non-involved parents, and we never played. So, and you know, he was upset because he was with the same group of kids. So his friends, he he wasn't playing with anymore. And I looked at him, I said, Buddy, this is your opportunity to be a leader. Like he was a mature kid, and I think he was eight. And I said, This is your opportunity to teach all these other kids that might not be able to skate as well or know the game as well, to teach them and kind of be a coach on it. I will tell you, it, he, he played that year and I was so proud of him because I, if he scored two goals the whole year, I'd be surprised. He would go behind the net and set kids up. I had so many parents that year come up to me and say, whose kid never had scored a goal. They'd say, oh my God, your son. And and I think that's what developed his character. So this crazy rule that a lot of other dads were devastated for me by was probably the best learning lesson he ever had in the game and how he created his reputation as integrity and an understanding of how to play the game and how to share the puck. So I, I just want to say to parents that if something happens within your child's young career, like and I mean young, like 7, eight, nine, 10, 11, like it's not the end of the world. Something good's going to come out of that. I mean, I, I just wanted to say crazy. that because
0: everything happens for a reason, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to learn to play the game the right way because at the level you played and the level that your clients want to play at, if you, you know, at, at some point, if all you do is score goals, guess what? You're going to get to that age where you're not scoring goals anymore because
0: mm-hmm. the kids are just as good as you, right? No, absolutely. And that's one of the conversations I have frequently with my, you know, with my players is guys, you know, you know I, and I use this example all the time when I talk to them. I say, OK, if I were to walk into a USHL locker room right now and say, OK, I want everybody to raise their hand in this locker room. If you were on the power play your last year of AAA hockey, how many people do you think would raise their hand? Pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, if I said how many of them were the top scorers on their team? How many would raise their hand? Pretty much everybody. Okay. Well, what does that tell us first off that tells us that yes, points to an extent matter. Okay. They do. Because I just showed you that people in here. Okay. are top scorers from the last level now points matter, but they, you know, how they happen matter more so. Okay. Um, But then if I said in here, okay, who of you in here would consider defense being your best you know, your best (laughs) trade, you know, you got probably the big defenseman in the corner that nobody wants to go into a corner with because he's got a beard and he's going to, you know, crap. (laughs) Um, But realistically, other than that, not a lot of hands, right? And I tell people all the time, I say, like, you know, yes, scoring, yes, points. Yes, that will get you there. But it's the other intangibles of your game that keep you there. Okay, and get you more of a promotion, so to speak and a lot of people struggle because they don't realize their kid is maybe a one trick pony. You look at a lineup chart, you got, you know, four lines on the, on the, on the forward side of things. I don't want to have it where I have a kid that can only play one, two, three, four, five, six. I want them to be able to play one through 12, Right. because they've got to learn that when they go to junior hockey, for example, in the North American league, there's going to be next year. O threes, Oh, fours most. And if you're an Oh six, doesn't mean you're not ready for junior hockey, but a coach isn't going to look at you and go, man, I need you to score. Man, right. I need you to do this. Man, I need you to be the best offensive player. He's going to look at you and go, if you want to be here, you need to show me what you can do on the bottom six to earn that promotion to the top six. Right. And so it it truly is, you know, trying to find different ways of your game, because I don't want to say the scoring will run out, but it's it's hard to get to the scoring role. It's hard to get that promotion. Everybody wants that. And you've got to figure out what you can do to set apart yourself and separate yourself from everybody that's in that locker room to get that job, right? I mean, it's no different than you know any other profession. You don't walk off the street and become the man day one. You got to you got to put some time in. You got to you know you got to you got to make sure that that you're deserving of the promotion.
1: Well, I I think a lot of teams now. um, You talk one through six, six through twelve. I think a lot of teams now and a lot of uh, coaches. And even, you know, when you watch the game, uh, the announcers professionally and or at the collegiate level, um, the uh, uptick of the importance of, and the actual discussion on the importance of six through 12 and that third and fourth line and what they do, I think they've really uh, done a nice job just talking in general in terms of giving the credit to those guys and not making it like bottom six, top six, even though that's what it is. I mean, if you're talking about, um, it, scoring,
0: right? But uh, well, I mean, mean, why did the why did the Lightning win the Stanley Cups? Why did they win the Stanley Cups that they did? Yeah, no, I mean, no doubt, it, it was, was their third line. Six, it was their third line that had Blake Coleman, uh, Yanni Gord, uh Barclay Goudreau. The first year, you you win with that depth because the Lightning had a third line that if you put them on any other team, they were probably a first or a second line. Yeah, realistically, more of a second line. But now you've got 1 and 2A and 2B. And then you got Patrick Maroon, who's on the fourth line, who, you know, probably a third line somewhere else. Okay, but that's how you win. And I look back on my career, and again, it's hard when you're going through it because everybody wants to be in those roles. Everybody wants to be on the power play. Everybody wants it. But, like, if I were to restart knowing what I do now – realistically i was a good third line right winger that played on the penalty kill and got a little bit of power play two time and would win championships i mean my freshman year we were the best that we were when i was at fair state my four years we won i want to say 29 games or something like that lost to north dakota in double overtime to go to the frozen four and i mean the guys that were in front of me they deserved to be in front of me right and i was a really good third line player right and i contributed, I would like to think, a lot to the success being in that role. But a lot of kids, they they just, they can't, and I can't say I was any different when I was in that position. You want, you want, you want, you want more, you want more, you want more. But, you know. Well, that's what makes you better. I mean, if you're not competitive and you don't yeah. have an ego, you're not going to make it
1: to where you want to go. I mean, you have For to sure. have that competitiveness and ego. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think you need to realize the importance of the job of that bottom six. I think the oh, other yeah. thing I wanted to touch on before uh, we kind of wrap up is, what I've found now is it's, uh, youth has become such a business um, in terms of the teams, the travel teams, the elite teams, so to speak. Can coaches be subjective now? Because if I was a coach, I couldn't be subjective. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're building your brand as a coach, your teams. Wins translates into that brand and who wants to come to your team to play, which translates into your business. So if you have a kid, traditionally back in my day, you'd go to the coach and say, coach, what should I do with Tommy? Like, where should we go now? What should we do now? And, you know, you'd ask the coach for advice. And that's why I think your business is so important now because it, it's an objective point of view, right? So um, because of the way the hockey, youth hockey has become a business, can, can can coaches really be subjective in terms of giving advice to parents moving on, so to speak? As like, say, at the U17 level. Do you, tell your, do, you, do you tell your player, hey, you know, you should take another year at U18 as opposed to going to junior hockey? And it may, it may be that. It may not, you know, be adverse to the kid, but
0: it may not be the best advice for the kid. You know what I mean? So what makes me think of that as kind of a comparison is being in, you know, the legal field in an attorney now. If I had somebody that comes to me and says, I want to set up a limited liability company. I would say, okay, here's it's X dollars. And they would go, Well, I could get one on Legal Zoom for you know half that. And go, okay, but you got to realize you're not just getting a boilerplate LLC, you're getting advice, you're getting, you know, you're getting more than just the bare bone boilerplate stuff. Right. Okay. Coaches, right now, because of the landscape of where the hockey world is, and people are very status oriented in the hockey world. Coaches have gotten bigger names, but do less, in my opinion, nowadays than they did when I played. I mean, right. my coach that I had never played right. Not, not at a high level that is, but when we moved on to go to junior hockey, he was in the USHL the same time. And so I think the way to was say his it
1: name, was his name Cooper. No, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't.
0: No, it wasn't. But uh, you know, a lot of these well, coaches, that's
1: a Tampa coach right Tampa yeah, coaches.
0: yes and yeah. he never
1: played right well, he, no,
0: he played he played lacrosse um, that's, a, that's an amazing
1: story I'll tell you and is. I think he, I think he went out here to Hofstra. I think if somebody mm-hmm. uh, somebody said but
0: um but the point I'm trying to make here is that I don't think coaches can be subjective because uh or objective <laughs> rather because they are I mean, I'll call it as it is. There's outside influences that are coming in all the time from money potentially going into their pockets. Who's paying their paychecks? Uh, a lot of these coaches do this full time, which make it, you know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you sometimes. Um, and not to mention a lot of these coaches, they want their programs to become better. So what do they do? They try to give you advice to stay in their program. So then the program reaches the benefit of you being here for another year.
1: Yeah. And, and the reason I bring that up is not to vilify coaches. I mean, listen, no. I, I, and, and I know you're not doing that either. It's just that I, I think I need, parents need to be aware, right. That this is such a business and it's grown to be such a business, which listen, I'm a business guy, so it's not a bad thing. You know, I, I just want parents to understand that take advice mm-hmm. right, from more than one person. And, and, and just know ha- where that advice is coming from and what's behind that advice.
0: There are coaches plenty of coaches have, out there. Coaches have a hard job because there's 20 of their players. Right. And you're going to like some more than you'd like others. I mean, right. I mean, that's life, Like right? That's right. no different than working in an office. Um, and so they're not able to provide what an advisor would do for everyone. And so I, I, think of myself as a gap filler. That's the term that I use with my with my clients is I'm the gap filler. Okay. Um, You know, I sit there and I help develop them from a personal standpoint with mentoring, we do video, there's a lot of things that we are able to do for these kids to fill in the gaps that the coaches nowadays are not able to do. Because I don't envy youth hockey coaches because I got to think like, you know, I got the best job. I consider myself, the industry pegs me as an advisor, but I feel I'm a personal coach, but I don't get judged on wins and losses. And I don't have parents calling me when they're, you know, when little Billy's down on the power play at this game and, you know, he deserves to be okay. They might be upset with me and I, you know, talk to them about it and how to talk to their coach, but you know, coaches do have a little bit of a tough job in that aspect, um, but I, I don't. I, I I don't believe that they will one thousand percent be able to give you. I don't want to say all of them aren't able to because I like to find the ones that are able to give you the advice that's best for you. It's like I just bought a car, um, you know, this last week and the car salesman came to me and said, Hey, I can, you know, I can do what's best for me on this deal, or I can do what's best for you. And I'm going to do what's best for you on this. So you come back again and again and again. Right. I don't necessarily think coaches always do that. Maybe that's the easiest way to put it. Right.
1: No, I I mean, that's fair. And again, it's, uh, you know, back in the day, it was just like the parents coached, or somebody picked up that might've played and you coached and it wasn't all this external
0: pressure. There wasn't, it wasn't such a business, um, Social yeah. media has done that social yeah. media has contributed not only relationships between men and females. And I mean, my parents, you know, they said Facebook, like we've called each other on calling cards when we were in college, like, <laughs> Facebook, like you go on a date now and you know who you're looking at you yeah. know? And social media has made it where everybody knows what this USHL futures draft and this NTDP and everything is. I mean, I didn't really know what those were until they were done. One of my buddies got drafted, and we're like, "What's that?" And it's the USHL Futures Draft. We had no idea. Our goalie, our goalie in Lansing, got invited to go up to the National Development Team camp, the Forty Camp, and we're like, "Holy cow!" I mean, that's pretty cool. What's that? And to find out, I mean, the kid ended up going to Michigan to be a football player. (laughs) Like it, you know, it's it's just it's a different time for sure. And social media, social media with the amount of money that parents are putting in have contributed to parents wanting ROI and status more so. And because when you're on Facebook and you've got friends that are always seeing that you're in a rink and you're like, what are you doing? This and that. They want to show their kids off. They want to say that their kids are making it as far as they are. And I can't blame them for that because hockey nowadays is like 25 grand. It's 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 absolutely crazy. And so they want ROI and social media has has contributed to that because people now so they get a tweet thrown out to show that their kids are, their hard work is working or paying off. Yeah. I mean, even, even, even more in depth than that, uh, you know,
1: and listen, I'm a parent, I parent my kids. I don't tell parents what to do. I just like to get information out there, but I do sort of cringe. uh, When I see a a six year old having his own Instagram run by the parents, it's weird putting up. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. The thing is, is that it, it may seem like fun, but I just think the pressure on that kid, if like one day he doesn't want to play hockey, if he picks up soccer or basketball or doesn't want to do sports anymore at all, the sheer disappointment, it's, it's just complicated, man. I just, I just think complicate, life's complicated enough, um, so so no reason to complicate it even more. Uh, I'll give you the last word um chad uh in terms of and i want to speak to like say youth parents like youth hockey say might be just getting into hockey to say 10 years old what do you what do you say to that group in terms of their approach or 12 years old in terms of their approach and not only hockey but just youth sports across the board
0: um if it's hockey related first and foremost get a power skating coach <laughs> um Because in today's world, if you can't skate, you can't play. Um, That's pretty much hockey specific. When it comes to every other sport, um, you know, I just think that having fun is the most important part that we get kids into sports for. And they want to do it. And it's a hobby. Um, And unless your kid is passionate about it, they're never going to make it as far as you think. Um, And so it's easy for me to say, don't put any pressure on them. You know, but truthfully, like, let them tell you what they want. I have people that come to me now that are, you know, 15, 16 years old and parents are asking, should we do this academy during the season and go out of high school and, you know, make sure they go hockey full time. And I said, ask your kid, ask your kid, Um, because the last thing that you want to do is do something that negatively impacts your kid's love for whatever sport that they have. Because, yes, you're trying to help, but it also it could very well hurt the kid if they don't want to do it. And third point, get them into multiple sports, and especially at the younger ages, the 8 to 10 to even 12 years old, get them out of the rink in the summer. You know, I run a camp in Jackson, Michigan, where I'm located in the summer, and I do it a couple of nights, you know, hour-long session on the ice, where they can get power skating, and then they can get some skills and get some, you know, off ice training. Um, that's more than enough for these kids that are that young. They need to be on the baseball field. They need to be maybe playing flag football. They maybe need to be on the on the lake water skiing. I've seen a very big. Trend. I'm gonna
1: stop you right there, hockey parents. Do not put your kids in baseball. They'll be bored to death. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every other sport, but baseball. Stay away <laughs> from baseball double headers on Sunday hockey parents,
0: no baseball. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to throw No, you're in. good. Not a lot of action. <laughs> one thing, one thing I have seen being on the ice and I'm a bit of a hockey nerd. Although I
1: will tell you, I went to high school with Brian Mullen and I played baseball with him.
0: Yeah. I we went to Powell Memorial,
1: which was obviously not, a, it was in the city, not a, not a, 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 we didn't even have a hockey team actually. Um, So Brian actually played baseball and I'll tell you, I've never seen a guy hit a ball like just, like with his forearms and his wrist because of the hockey. Oh it was, yeah. It was it was unbelievable. So but from the parents, from a from a selfish standpoint, you, you die watching watching baseball after a hockey game. But good, I'm sorry. And
0: you're and you're sweating. It's like the opposite. You're not. Yeah, yeah,
1: like, yeah, thousand percent. Um,
0: but I was saying I'm a bit of a hockey nerd, so like I not only feel like I know I have like a coach's brain, I've just utilized my coach's brain to have the best um job. And advising kids and where I can show up and watch them and not get judged on wins and losses. But I'm also I love getting on the ice with kids. And one thing that I really have seen over my time doing it with the on ice is that kids that water ski kids that maybe wakeboard kids that, you know, even wake surf nowadays. I've seen a lot better skaters in those types of kids that do that and I contribute a lot of that to the ankle flex and wearing a boot on your foot and, you know, balance and everything. And so, I mean, you, you never know you want them to be come better skaters, get out on the lake, have some cold ones, have some fun with your family and just have, you know, truthfully like do other things because I went to school with a lot of kids that didn't know how to golf. We went in the backyard to throw a football around. They didn't know how to throw a football didn't know how to throw a baseball. I mean, you know how to throw, but you laugh at them. Right. And so, you know, you could totally tell the people that specialize early and it's funny. Everybody says, don't specialize, don't specialize, don't specialize. But then there's the parent out there. Well, if he doesn't specialize, we're behind who cares, right? Like, again, just do it and want and for their fun and make sure they're having fun doing it.
1: Listen, quick story about the water. So we're down here on the South shore of long Island, right? So, uh, pretty, pretty tight with, uh, the McAvoy's growing up, the McAvoy family. And I tell this story all the time. We're on the beach and, you know, my kids, they surf, but they weren't Long Beach kids. You know, Long Beach kids grow up, they surf, right? So um, the McAvoy's, you know, Charlie Sr., his girls, like Charlie. So I remember Charlie coming out of the water. I think he was 14. I want to say he was 13 or 14. Comes out of the water on a Sunday at one o'clock. It's like 85 degrees. Doesn't say much. Packs his stuff up. I'm sitting next to senior. He says, all right, I'll see you later, walks away. I'm like, where's he going? Like, he was surfing with my son. And he goes, he's going to practice. I'm like, practice? Where? He goes, oh, he's got to go to Jersey. I'm like, he's 14. How's he getting to Jersey? He's like, left the beach, got on Long Island Railroad, into Penn Station, got on the the Jersey Transit, and went out. I think he was playing for the Rockets. I might be wrong. But um, surfing family. So to your point, you're right on point. Get your kids out there surfing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I, there was one kid. I remember clear day went up to him and I'm like, do you live on a lake? Like it, it was just amazing. He was so little. And I remember, I'm just like, man, this kid can skate. And I, and he's like, yeah, no, I, I water ski. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can tell like, it's, there's so many things that you can do to just help your hockey career, even though you don't realize it. Like there's a kid that I help right now that, has the one thing that you can't teach. He's got size, okay, um, but he is an athlete, and he's only played AAA hockey for a couple of years, and he is just a raw athlete. And you can just tell that if this kid went on the football field, he could run a route as a tight end, and you'd be scared to get in front of him.
1: Right, right. And
0: you can just tell that that athleticism is going to help him continue to climb the ladder if he wants to. Right. And that's probably the last point that I'll make is that if you don't work, it won't work for you. And your parents, your advisor, your friends, they could want it for you, but they can't do it for you. And so parents do whatever you can to make it so your kid wants it. If that's not letting them play for a year, there's studies out there and stories of people. I want to say Tanev, Brandon Tanev, maybe that played. Um, for Pittsburgh, I listened to a podcast on him. I think he went a whole year without playing hockey. Just said, I'm done. And he's in the NHL. Okay. Let your kids determine what it is they want to do. Don't force them into it because ultimately there's going to be a day where they're going to be out of the house. They're going to be somewhere in the middle of freaking Iowa playing junior hockey and living with a family. And you're not going to have any impact on what they're doing. Don't make them work. Now, because it's what you think they need, let them come to you and say, hey, I want to work. I want more. I want more. When they ask you for more, that's how you know you're building something.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's great advice to end it on. And I think in terms of being on the lake, not only are you taking the kids away from hockey and actually helping them within their sport, not being in the rink. But you talk about family time and other siblings um, and, and those memories. My like parents, don't have your only memories in an ice hockey rink, please, uh, or on a field or on a basketball court. Um, enjoy your life. Enjoy your kids while they're young. Uh, extend Extend the Chill podcast. Uh, Chad McDonald, True Advising Group. If you're in, uh, in a position now where you need some help uh, with your young hockey player, please reach out. He's on Instagram, True Advising Group on Instagram. You can reach him. Uh, thanks for coming on, Chad. Uh, I think it was really great advice. I think a lot of people will benefit uh from your honesty uh and uh and the advice you've given us so so thanks for coming on
0: absolutely hope we can do it again yeah for sure take care you have a great day you as well